They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now, they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two This is the two-man power trip of wrestling. I am Chad, and as always, I am joined by my tag team partner, Prime Time, John Paz. John, how are you today, my friend? Woo, doing pretty good, Chad. How you doing? I'm doing great. I wanted to call you by a couple different nicknames. You've got one, but our guest today has many, and that is the body, the mind, but I actually love having to call this man the governor, and that is Jesse Ventura. Wow. What an honor it was to talk to Jesse. He stated right out of the gate he does not do many wrestling shows, and man, was it an honor to get to rap with this guy, one of our favorites of all time. Jesse the Body, what is there to say about this interview? Whew. That was, dare I say, the biggest guest in the history of the two-man power trip. I think I could say that pretty confidently. I mean, Jesse, the body of Ventura, the legend himself, the governor. I mean, this guy, he's growing up, especially as a product of the 80s. I mean, this guy was the voice of our childhood and obviously such a big star, and I still remember his awesome LJN. You know, it's funny. I was just thinking that as you said that. I I was going to mention that to you, that I wish we could have said Jesse... Do you think maybe we could have changed the mold on the LJN figure? <laughs> I, I, I don't know what he would have said to that. He may, he may have agreed. I believe uh, there is a picture circulating the Internet from an article written late last year of a certain primetime and his brother playing with some LJN figures, and I believe the Jesse the Body figure is dead set in the middle of the ring. I believe he is, and I believe he may be about – to attack Special Delivery Jones, if I remember correctly, from that picture. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it it was so cool to talk to Jesse, and uh, to say that we definitely got our money's worth of what we wanted to talk about is definitely an understatement because, you know, there there is a lot of information out there. He's written a couple of books. He's very outspoken about, you know, the fact he doesn't watch the product, which he does mention. Um, He had that awesome, memorable 2009 episode of Raw where he was the GM that was probably the best episode of all the GM shows over a three-year period, but uh, it was just so cool to hear some of the stories, and really, the uh, I guess, I mean, it's a scoop, but do you want to necessarily call it a scoop because of what the topic is? It's actually quite unfortunate, but uh, Jesse learned of the passing of uh, the legendary AWA promoter, WWE Hall of Famer, Vern Gagne, uh, while talking to us. And that was, uh, like I said, was uh, the first he had heard about it publicly, but sad to have to break the news. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was actually, I mean, we both were kind of shocked. We're like, wow, you you didn't hear? Because, you know, he's, quote, unquote, he's off the grid. So a lot of his news doesn't really get to him right away. I mean, obviously, he stays the news. He stays very topical through a lot of his employees and a lot of his staff. But, uh this one he didn't he didn't get to him yet so he we were you know the ones that had to break the news to him 
of uh, the sad and, uh, you know, the the passing of Vern Gagne, a legendary promoter, legendary wrestler, and um, icon of the wrestling business, for sure. Yeah, and in typical uh, Jesse Ventura fashion, he tells it like it is and uh, gives us, you know, his, his very positive reflections on working for Vern and also uh, some of the things that he did not like about uh, working for Vern, but we'll let the governor tell that story. Um, again, it was just it was an honor talking with him, and I really hope everybody truly enjoys our chat with the governor. We got as much wrestling out of him as we could, so please sit back. Listen, and before we throw it over to the interview, primetime, please tell the fine folks just where they can find the two-man power trip of wrestling. Please subscribe to us on iTunes and on YouTube. Check us out there. Also, two-man power trip on Facebook. Like us there. You can follow us on the Twitter machine, at WrestlingPal and at two-man power trip. Also, check out our website, tofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. And please, please, enjoy this episode. I hope you do as much as we did because it was awesome to get to talk to the body, the mind, the governor, Jesse Ventura. And, John, we're going to welcome in our new sponsor, Bombas. And the Bombas mission is simple. For every pair of socks purchased, a pair is donated to the homeless. And to date, that's over 300,000 pair of socks donated to the homeless. And right now you can go to bombas.com slash T-M-P-T-O-W to take 20% off your order. Again, it's bombas.com slash T-M-P-T-O-W, all lowercase, to take 20% off your first order. And, Chad, my favorite feature of this awesome premium leisure athletic sock is the honeycomb support system. They keep you cool in the summer and warm in the winter. It really helps support my feet. i got to be honest, I do jujitsu, and I did try to get a lot of cardio in at the gym, and, boy, I never found a comfortable sock. I really needed this. So I went and I got a pair of Bombas. And never look back. They're literally the world's most perfect sock. Go to bombas.com slash T-M-P-T-O-W for 20% off your order. Bombas, be better. They are the better sock. Someone who we are completely honored to be joined by, that's the former governor of Minnesota into the pro wrestling community, the man who tells it like it is. He is the body, the mind, and he's truly one of the greatest of all time. He is Governor Jesse Ventura. And, Governor, we are so excited to have you with us, and, you know, thank you. That's really all I could say. Well, you're welcome. You know, I, I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, uh, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do about what's happening in the world of wrestling today because I'm on to other things and always have been and kept myself quite busy, so I don't always pay attention. Without a doubt, but you're, you know, I'll tell you, your stamp is, of course, left on the, the professional wrestling business forever, and we will get to that quite shortly, but we want to talk about your uh, web show, Off the Grid, which you can catch uh, new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Aura.tv slash Off the Grid and YouTube.com slash Jesse Ventura, and could you tell us a little bit about what the Off the Grid is, and are you really Off the Grid? 
Well, first of all, yes, I really am. Uh, I live down in the winter for at least ha- half the year or more. I live down 900 miles from the U.S. border. I live one hour from pavement and one hour from electricity. So I literally do live off the grid. I have no telephone. I have no television set that I watch. And I do that for six months, and I do the show out of here. Uh, it's wonderful. It's an Internet show, so there's no FCC regulations. I can say anything I want. And I guess the selling point to the wrestling fan would be this. If you loved my interviews and you liked my commentary when I did wrestling, imagine I do 10 to 12 minutes uninterrupted on those shows all the time. It's Jesse Ventura doing a tirade on whatever subject he may choose, but I tend to do it in my a little bit in my wrestling persona because it's really like a 12-minute interview without Mean Gene. <laughs> they are fantastic. I do, I'm subscribed, and I do watch them when they come out. And you're exactly right. It is like a 12-minute promo. And personally, I'm fascinated by all your topics. Whether or not I'm really you know, in the know of what you're, you're discussing, I just find you to be such a great speaker. But if you're, so, if you're off the grid, where are you getting your news from? Well, I have a command center in Los Angeles, and just because I'm off the grid doesn't mean the Internet doesn't work. We're on the Internet. So I get the majority of my news from the Internet. I have a great staff that works up in L.A. and, uh, and pumps the information down to me so that I, I'm pretty well educated on every event that I talk about. And, of course, it, 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 the show is also my personal opinions on whatever the particular subject is. So I don't have to study something overly that long to have an opinion on it. Yeah, and that's uh, and again, you know, like I said in the opening, the man who tells it like it is, and that's definitely one of uh, I think every wrestling fan's favorite part about your whole entire, whether it's persona or any of your shows. But you know, how about the fact that media is really, really starting to change in its, in its mainstream forms, and people are really finding alternative ways of getting their information, not just news, but any kind of information. Where do you see us heading? You know, I guess as a culture, uh, in terms of the news business. Well, it's because mainstream media has been consolidated. I mean, a few years ago, you had probably 32 different outlets of mainstream media to get information from. Today, through corporate takeover and all that, you're down to about three or four. So they literally, mainstream media in the United States is controlled, and that's dangerous. Give you a quick example. A couple, about a month or so ago, a little more, Vladimir Putin did a uh, two-hour speech, and the United States of America didn't even cover it, nor anyone in mainstream media did not show it to the American people. Now, excuse me, if Vladimir Putin is supposed to be our big enemy, and he's the guy we have to fear out in the world, don't we as citizens have a right to hear what the guy has to say? I'd like to hear things from his own mouth rather than having it come through our State Department or through our government filtration system where they tell me what I should hear about Vladimir Putin. Definitely, definitely. That's definitely, and that's definitely a good point. And, and while we're talking about the news and something that's in the news, um, maybe it's time to preface some part of your wrestling career, but a huge integral part of your career was the AWA and, 
and the, the recent passing of Vern Gagne. What are your thoughts on Vern and working in the AWA? First of all, I have no idea Vern died. Vern died? Oh, yeah. Yes. He passed away last night. Yes. Passed away last night? Are you kidding me? Uh, unfortunately, so. Me. This is the first news I heard of it, and the reason it's stunning to me is because last night I actually went through a thought process thinking about him. Oh, my oh, God. Wow. Way down here in Mexico. That's why you've caught me completely off guard with this. Vernon passed away last night, huh? Yep. Well, you know, Vern Gagne was a great wrestler. There's no doubt about it. He, amateur and pro. You know, he, he came up through the amateur ranks. He wrestled NCAA champion, the Olympics and all that. And as a professional, he was one of the best there was. I give him his due. But I will also state this. He was a very, very difficult man to work for. I found him extremely difficult to work for. Maybe because he was such a perfectionist, I don't know. But uh, his people skills weren't always the best. Let's put it that way. But as far as his skills in the wrestling ring, he was phenomenal. And uh, he had a long, wonderful career. And I'm really sad today, believe it or not, to learn that Vern died last night. How old was he? 89. 89 years old and passed away last night. Well, I'm heading back uh, tomorrow to, to where my wife is at off the grid, and I'm sure she'll be all, likewise saddened to hear the news. And I feel bad that uh, I won't be able to attend his funeral because I'm down here off the grid because I certainly would have gone had I been up in the Twin Cities. I'll say that publicly. Definitely, definitely. And the AWA was such an integral part in your career. And if you think everyone, you know, kind of associates Vern with the old school, but if you think about it, he was responsible mostly for Hulk Hogan and obviously you, Jesse DeBottomentura, two of the biggest names in the history of the business. What do you think about well, your he, time spent in AWA? He was, but he wasn't. Because you have to remember something. Both Hulk and I wrestled in other places before we came to the AWA. I had actually been wrestling five years. I'd wrestled in Portland, Oregon for three years, Kansas City, Hawaii. And so, uh, but, but let's put it this way. It was during Vern's tenure with Vern that I became Jesse the Body Ventura. In fact, Vern named me that because he had recently, a couple years earlier, lost superstar Billy Graham. And I remember he asked me, he said, can you do superstar Graham? I said, I can do superstar Graham better than Graham. <laughs> Because Billy was my hero. <laughs> Billy Graham, there wouldn't have been a Hulk Hogan and there wouldn't have been a Jesse Ventura had there not been a superstar Billy Graham. Rest assured of that. You know, he was the influence that brought us in. And Vern said to me, he said, because he had lost Graham to New York, and he said, can you do superstar Graham? And I said, sure, I can. And so he said, that's what we want. He said, let's come up with a name for you. And, he, and Vern actually thought of it. He said, we're going to call you Jesse the Body. And I, I want you to pose and do all that stuff that Graham does. And I said, you got it. And so that, that's where the birth of Jesse the body came from, particularly was through Vernon. Vern, you know, had a great territory. And the thing that made Vern's territory so good was that you only wrestled about 12 or 14 times a month at the most, which gave you ample time with your family, which gave you ample time to work out and recover from injuries it wasn't this, I mean, I remember at one point in Oregon, I wrestled 63 consecutive nights in a row without a day off. 
And there's guys that wrestled way more than that. Guys that beat that record like nothing. But 63 days without a day off, where when you wrestled for Vern, uh, Vern, you had time off. You'd, you'd wrestle a day or two, and then you'd get three or four days off. So it really made the Minneapolis territory at that time a wonderful place to be if you, if you wanted to make good money and you didn't want to be on the road every day of your life. Do you think that the AWA was your favorite place to, to have wrestled? No, because uh, I uh, now here's a downside of Vern. Vern used to make me so angry at times because we'd be in doing interviews and Greg would be running the interviews, his son, and we'd bang through every market. We'd have him down to about two or three markets. Vern would come in and you'd be there for six hours doing the final two markets. I used to get so angry. I lived along the Mississippi River. I'd, I'd be so ticked off. I would drive home. I'd park my car, and I'd go sit down by the riverbank in the water before I would go in to see my wife and kids. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, and I say that today, and I chuckle about it, and I can look back on it today at age 63 and laugh about it a little. But at the time it was happening... Vern could literally drive you crazy. He, he, he would frustrate you so much at that. I remember one time we had had four sellouts, me and Adrian Adonis had had, I think, four sellouts in a row in Denver, and we wrestled Vern and Mad Dog or somebody that night, and one little thing didn't go the way Vern wanted it to go in the match. And when the matches were over, he came in our dressing room into the showers and screamed and hollered at me and Adrian for about two, three minutes about it. Then he left. I remember I turned to Adrian, and I said, Adrian, wasn't this our fourth sellout in a row? And he goes, yeah. I said, wouldn't you think the guy would come in maybe and pat us on the back and say, God, you're doing a great job? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would think. <laughs> but but that, was, that was, and I'm giving it to you honest here, that was the pros and cons with working for Vern Gagne. He demanded a great deal from you, and he, he was a tyrant at times. He was that. But then again, maybe he had to be in the business he was in. Yeah, definitely. Now, you mentioned uh, Adrian Adonis. Speaking of him, you have a fond memories of uh, working with him not only in the AWA but also in the WWF? Well, Adrian was phenomenal in the ring. You couldn't have asked for a better, more athletic partner, great wrestler, could do anything you could imagine in there. My only problem with Adrian after being with him for three or four years was outside the ring, Adrian sometimes required a babysitter. And uh, I got tired of that role. I didn't feel as a professional it was my job to make sure he made the t planes on time or the, the vent on time and all that stuff. And so he became a little dependent on you. And I really didn't like that aspect of dealing with him. And that was one of the reasons I finally broke the tag team up because I said, look, I, I, you know, dealing, taking care of myself is a load enough. I don't need to be taking care of a second person always either. And now, don't get me wrong, that was all stuff outside the ring, not inside the ring. Adrian was never a problem in the ring at all, ever. Did you have a favorite match with him that you guys, you know, as part of your tag team, the East-West Connection, did you guys have a favorite match or maybe the matches that you had together? Yeah, I think the favorite match I had with Adrian was when we beat the High Flyers at the St. Paul Civic Center 
and it's today on Vern Gagne's tape of the AWA. And I always love it that I got the pin on Greg Gagne, so it'll go down in history that Jesse Ventura gave Greg Gagne the spike pile driver with a little help from Adrian and covered him one, two, three. So that's probably one of the matches I remember the most with Adrian being my partner when we when uh, we teamed up. You know what a spike pile driver is, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yep. That's where I pull the guy up into a pile driver. Adrian climbs the top rope, and he jumps off and grabs the guy's feet, and we both drive him head first into the mat. It'll knock you cold if we want to. And, uh, and uh, that's how we beat Greg that night. And it's on the famous AWA tape of Vern Gagne has, uh, or I mean that Vince has out there now. I know because I actually watched it this winter. I have a copy of it down here, believe it or not. Huh. That's interesting. Now, speaking of, of, you know, great moments and maybe almost forgotten moments, you spent some time down in Memphis. And you had quite a run down there. We actually recently spoke to a buddy of yours who spoke very, very fondly of you, and that's Austin Idol. And um, sure, what were your memories of working down in Memphis? Well, I, Jerry Lawler always treated me wonderful, and in fact, I can tell you something. I made history in Memphis because I'm the only person who beat Jerry Lawler, and Jerry Lawler never defeated me back. Huh. I, because unfortunately my daughter was born and my daughter had some rather somewhat severe complications at birth and I had to remain in Minneapolis. So I ended up and Jerry was fine with it. I ended up, I had to ship the belt back to him because I couldn't come down anymore because of the family situation. Well, look at that, a little scoop, a little history lesson right there from, from, yeah, but, but, I, I mean, Jerry Lawler beat Andre the Giant. He beat everybody in Memphis, but he never beat Jesse Ventura. That's a, that's a <laughs> feather in my cap. Jerry the King Lawler <laughs> never beat Jesse Ventura in Memphis. <laughs> but, no, I, I had a great run with Jerry. Uh, Jerry hired me out of Minneapolis when I had a fallout with Vern and I wasn't working for anybody. He brought me down to Memphis. I'd go down there, uh, I believe it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays, and then I'd go back to Minnesota Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I, I, do, I do Memphis, Louisville, and I think Evansville. And then occasionally I'd do one other. I'd be, they'd have me there for four days when they do Lexington. Now, when you moved on to past AWA and everything and you move into the WWF, what are your memories of working uh, for Vince Sr. At, at, at that time? And, and how is he different than working for Vince Jr.? Well, Vince Sr. to me was the smoothest promoter of his era because you could get angry about a payoff and you could be in total turmoil and you'd walk in and see the guy and in a matter of five minutes you'd walk out, you'd feel good and you didn't get nothing if you follow me. Yeah. And that's how smooth that's how smooth senior was. And then five minutes later you're angry again because you thought he did it. He did it again to me. <laughs> you know. He had a way. Vince Senior had a way with dealing with talent uh that was unique. Because he, he got the best out of you without giving up anything to you, usually in most situations. And uh that's a hell of a negotiator that can do that. And uh uh, the difference between senior and junior is probably junior's much more volatile than senior. 
Senior's very low key. Would never, you'd never hear him raise his voice. He always spoke very softly and quietly. Where you would see far, far much more emotion out of Junior than you would ever see out of Senior. Both great in their own right, because believe me, Vince Jr. is the P.T. Barnum of our generation, no doubt about it. He learned from his father, and then he went beyond anything that his father would have ever expected to do. Now, uh, definitely a key moment in your run in the old WWF days was a feud with Bob Backlund. Do you have good memories of working with Bob, and uh, did you enjoy that run? Oh, yeah, absolutely, because Bob gave me the memory of selling out Madison Square Garden three times in a row, and that's the mecca of ring sports. That's something that can never be taken from me because we all know that the heel, the villain, draws the house. And uh, to sell out with Backlund three times in a row, 23000 whatever it is the garden holds in New York City, I'll always have fond memory of Bob Backlund. Plus, he's a Minnesota kid like I am. And Bob always kept himself in phenomenal condition. There wasn't a better conditioned athlete in pro wrestling than Bob Backlund. Definitely. Maybe he was in phenomenal shape. But moving along from your actual wrestling career and into the commentary and announcing role, I have to say you're probably the greatest announcer of all time. Maybe close second would be Bobby Heenan, but you're definitely the greatest of all time. Now, how was it going from wrestling to commentary? Did you enjoy that jump? And do you almost well, enjoy well, commentary more? Well, in the end, I enjoyed commentary more because I didn't have to get body slammed and I was making equal money. <laughs> 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 you, know, you don't got to be a rocket scientist to go, wait a minute. I can make the same amount of money talking and I don't have to get in the ring no more. I like this job. You know, yeah. But uh, the transition happened when I got injured. Uh, I was due to wrestle Hogan for the first time for the title in L.A., and we were in San Diego, and I was struck with blood, pulmonary emboli, blood clots in the lungs. And I went critical at the Sharp Cabrillo Hospital for seven days. I didn't know if I'd survive. I, my wife had to fly out to San Diego. That's how critical it was. And so I had the recovery took about four to five months on blood thinners and all that. And I give Vince credit because Vince paid me a salary the entire time I was out and injured and he didn't have to. There was nothing contractual that said he did, but Vince McMahon paid me while I was recouping. But he knew the potential that I had. And so it was, I would say it was a smart investment on his part. Now, during the recoup situation, since Vince was paying me, well, when I got to a certain point of recouping, Vince is going to put you to work. So he called me up one day. He said, Jesse, he said, I've got an idea. He said, never before has there been a heel or a villain on the mic. He goes, do you think you could broadcast and do color commentary from a heel perspective? I said, easy, Vince. I said, no problem at all. So we set it up. He put me with Monsoon initially on the, quote, B team, I guess. And it took off like wildfire. <clears throat> and I'll never forget the first night I was going on the air. Vince came over to me, and he gave me my marching instructions. Imagine you're told this. He said, Jesse, here's the attitude I want you to have. And I said, what is it? He said, if you believe it, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Now, what can get better than that? Then, of course, I transitioned up to the A-team, which was Vince and Bruno. Well, 
Vince then made the decision to get rid of Bruno. I begged him not to. I said, Vince, don't lose Bruno. I said, he's my foil. Bruno, he don't even know it, and I use him. Bruno is phenomenal. Don't do this. But Vince was said he got rid of Bruno to where it became just me and him. But, guys, you got to realize at that point I had the greatest job maybe in the world because I worked one day every three weeks. I got paid big money for every pay-per-view I did, and I think he was doing about four years then. And the best part was I could go on national television and completely insult my boss with his blessing. <laughs> now, what better job could there be on the planet than to be able to rip your boss with his blessing and get paid for it? And no, get there's paid nothing better than that. And get paid good money for it. The only and the thing reaction. that caused the fallout, well, what that? caused the fallout in the end was that I would not give up. I owned the copyrighted name to my name and likeness. I had it federally copyrighted with the government, and I refused to give it up to McMahon, and he couldn't have anybody outside the circle. So that was the reason I was dismissed from the WWF. It's hard to believe how long ago it was because, like I said, you're still an institution amongst the pro wrestling community. In terms of everybody who's ever stepped up to be that color, second Mike has always tried to be the next Jesse the Body Ventura. And as I said in the intro, there's only one. And although we're, we're winding down on time and I wish we could keep going, we're not going to even touch on WCW because we know that that was not one of your favorite experiences, but we're going to just, we're going to move back no, off the grid. Actually, actually, let me, wait, let me comment on WCW sure. a moment. WCW wasn't a bad experience because they signed me to such a big contract of money that there was nothing they could do to me to make it a bad experience. Uh, <laughs> the problem was, the problem was it was great when I forget the guy that signed me was in charge, but then they fired him and they brought in Bill Watts. And Bill Watts didn't know the business anymore. Bill Watts was old school who didn't realize that the new wrestling was about television. It wasn't about house shows. It was about money revenue at TV. And Watts could never figure out why they were paying me what they were paying me. So subsequently, they didn't use me correct. And Jim Ross has even admitted today that Jim Ross's biggest mistake was he didn't work with me. Jim Ross was very difficult with me down there, and it was jealousy because I was getting paid this huge money more than anybody else. Yeah, and it's uh, another thing. You know, you enhanced their product big time, and it's a shame at that time uh, Jim Ross did not uh, work that great alongside you, and it definitely, you know, you could tell with some little jabs he would kind of try to trip you up or something, but... It's just a shame looking back, but well, hey, we all. He, he wouldn't allow chemistry. I would feed him something that he should react to, and he wouldn't react at all. He wouldn't, right. There was no chemistry. Now, I had chemistry with Tony Schiavone. Definitely did. When I worked with Tony Schiavone, there was the Jesse the Body chemistry because Tony would professionally work with me and let me be Jesse the Body. Ross wouldn't right. let me do that. Do you think that had to do with uh, working with Tony uh, while Tony was with Vince for that little bit and he could kind of be in that Vince mindset and feed off you correctly? Sure, absolutely it helped. Tony came up with, yeah, it, I'm sure that it helped. 
because Tony knew how to handle Jesse Ventura. He saw the formula that worked with him, where Jim Ross was not going to bend that way, and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't make a guy cooperate with you. Right, definitely. And how could we also forget the classic uh, Beach Blast 92 where you ripped on Tony Schiavone's orange nose for uh, pretty much the whole entire show and still look back on that very fondly. <laughs> I don't even remember it. I got to see you and go, what the hell is he talking about? Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. great. No, I don't know. But, uh, uh, no, I, I didn't have a bad time down in WCW. But then, of course, Hogan came in, and there's the yeah. bad blood between he and I. And then they didn't even call it. The last six months of the contract, I didn't even have to show up. They just paid me. Oh man, it's 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 such a shame that they let you go, especially or that you you know that they didn't use you correctly at that time because it could have just been so great. And yeah. as appreciators of your craft, we would have loved to have had you those last well, cu- couple of months. Well, the problem was Hogan because Hogan, uh, I found out later in my lawsuit of Vince, Hogan was the one that ratted me to Vince when I tried to unionize. Right. Okay. And, and and that was stunning to me because I thought he was my friend. But then I realized why during the court case we got we got the payoff of WrestleMania three and Hogan made more money than all the rest of us combined, including Andre. Wow. That's Not why he didn't want a union. Well, that's why he didn't want a union. He was getting taken care taken care of big time. All the rest right. of us were getting the droppings. You know, we were getting the stuff that was falling on the floor, not the main meal. Right. And we actually, we just had Brian Blair on uh, a couple weeks back. He kind of said the exact same thing um, that you just said, and that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, very, that's very interesting. Well, I'll but tell you before... what, if by, ch- if by chance you ever get Brian Blair on again, please give him my best regards. I have great respect, and I consider Brian a terrific friend many years ago. We will. He's actually, yeah, we are planning to have him on again in the summer. He's getting uh, enshrined into the uh, Dan Gable Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame Museum, and he uh, he will be coming back on in June, I believe. So we would definitely do that. But is is so, is, is this the one in Iowa? Yes. I I'm in that. I got they 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 awarded me the Frank Gotch Award many years right after I was done being governor, and I wasn't going to take it because it was amateur wrestling. I said I was a high school swimmer. I didn't even wrestle amateur. And they, but then they told me I was a unanimous selection, and they said Dan Gable voted for you. And I said, Dan Gable feels I should take this award? They said, absolutely. I said, well, if Dan Gable is good with this, I will come down and accept the Frank Gotch Award. And I did. And that's at the Shooter Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's fantastic. Well, Governor, yeah, no, we really – that's great. Well, Governor, we really appreciate you coming on. And uh, it's Aura.TV's Off the Grid. It's an online political talk show with over 3 million views on YouTube, and you can get it Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Aura.TV slash Off the Grid and YouTube.com Jesse, uh, slash Jesse Ventura. Now, Governor, just before we go, I just wanted to ask, like, what are some of the topics that you do cover on Off the Grid? Well, we cover everything that's timely. You know, it's my perspective on what's going on. Like we talked today, of course, about the riots in Baltimore, you know, and and my perception. And like I said, I'm 63 now, and it's true. If you don't read history, you're doomed to repeat it, because this is reminding me of the civil rights movement of the 60s, guys. It looks identical to it, and it scares me 
because we haven't progressed anything in 50 years? Yeah. Gary. Yeah, without a doubt. And I'm in uh, Washington, D.C., so uh, this is all hitting very close to home, and, and the, the coverage oh, yeah. is definitely pushing the, you know, the scare tactic side of it, well, and it's, uh, it's yeah. a shame to see. Well, that's what you'll get on Off the Grid. I'll give you a perspective that you may not always get from mainstream media. You see, Off the Grid's a double genre. I'm off the grid, but it also means you're going to get off the grid news. You're going to get news that mainstream media won't talk about. Like, for example, the United States leads the world with the most people in prison, and yet we're supposed to be home of the brave, land of the free. Yeah, no, you're, you're completely, completely right. And, uh, and that's why we love off the well, grid. And like I said, I'm subscribed, and they do not disappoint. So we implore you to subscribe to uh, Jesse Ventura on YouTube as well as Aura.tv slash off the grid. And also please follow uh, Governor Ventura on Twitter at GovJVentura. And, Governor, this was an absolute pleasure and our honor. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. We'll do it again sometime, hopefully. Oh, we would love that. Thank you very much. All right. Very good. Have a great day. I'm heading outside. It's 85 and sunny, baby. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) Enjoy. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you, Governor. Bye-bye. Oh, we're done. We're wrapped, Abe.